must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey, and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support, and now for the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. My name is F. Scott Beal, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Stephanie Wyrock and Brandon Pone, and we're honored to speak with someone who has been so involved with the physical therapy profession from so many different roles, uh, as we're pleased to welcome Dr. Janet Besner, who is an associate professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at Texas State University and served on APTA's board of directors prior to joining its staff and is a recipient of the Lucy Blair Service Award and is a Catherine Worthingham Fellow of the APTA. The focus of the discussion today will be on the ACAP Leadership Academy as Janet is the chair of the Leadership Development Committee team. Janet, thank you so much for your service and dedication to the profession and for taking the time to speak with us today, uh, I know that you have many other accomplishments apart from what we had mentioned, but do you think you could give our listeners some background into who you are and telling us a little bit about your academic journey and how it's gotten you to where you are today? Sure. Thank, thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks for um, inviting me to, to participate and to talk to you guys. Um, so I, my first foray into academics, I guess you would say, was when I was a student, physical therapist. I was asked to be a teaching assistant for anatomy, um, and I thought that was great, and I think I earned a little money. <laughs> it's been a long time now. Uh, so I did that, and at the end of that situation, I was uh, in the professor's office talking about grades, and he said, you know, he, he predicted that I would be back in the academy at some point in my career. and. I just thought he was kind of joking. I didn't really take it very seriously. And so I went off and started, started practicing and became a clinical instructor. And I was talking to the uh, DCE uh, about one of our students one day. And she said, you know, we have a, we have a teaching assistance assistantship open at the, at the university in the program. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, that kind of sounds cool. So, um, you know, talked to my supervisor and got some time off and started started teaching. And then, you know, as, as I think it occurs for a lot of people, one thing led to another. And um, I ended up with a class. Um, so I was juggling clinical and academic. Um, and then at that time, the degree was transitioning to the master's degree. Um, and I had earned a master's degree. But in order for me to continue teaching, I needed to go back and get a PhD. So left left practice and uh, education and went to get a PhD. And then um, after that, it was sort of obvious that I wanted to go full-time into the academy. So um, it's been it's been an awesome career. I've been able to get to be in and out of the academy 
uh, multiple times. I left academe to work at APTA for nine years and then came right back into the academy. So um, I've been back now uh, teaching since September of 14. I'm starting my fifth year back and um, love it. I've always loved it. I love, Janet, that you've been super involved in not only just academia, but also uh, working for APTA. You know, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with ACAPT or the American Council of Academic Physical Therapy, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what ACAPT is and what ACAPT does? I can. So, so um, this occurred actually when I was on APTA staff um, about, I'd say now eight years ago, probably. Um, the, there was a, a SIG, a special interest group within the education section that represented the academic administrator. So it was the academic administrator SIG. And that was a SIG for all of the directors or whatever their titles were of, of physical therapists and physical therapist assistant programs. Um, across the profession, and they had been talking for a while about needing a little bit more autonomy, a little more organization, a little more ability to um, sort of direct their destiny. And so, in other doctoring professions, and all of them, there are there there are and there were at the time these groups, like the Double AMC is one that everybody can relate to, the Association of American Medical Colleges. In nursing, it's called uh, the AACN, um, Association of American Colleges of Nursing. So there were these independent organizations and all of those other professions um, of the academic programs themselves. And so, and, and actually they have been, they, they functioned as very influential on the academy and those respective organizations and those respective professions. So, so the, the discussion started about forming a similar group in, in physical therapy. And in those other situations, those groups are um, independent of their um, professions organization. So they're outside. So the AAMC is outside the AMA and the AACN is outside the ANA. And so um, we started having a conversation and um, a, a group was formed of, of APTA board members and, and members of the academy and, and the, the SIG and um, we decided to form ACAPT and we decided intentionally to form it within APTA, inside APTA, at least to start. Um, and so we'll see where what happens in the future, but the group is, is primarily there to advance academic physical therapy and um, the the ACAP leadership, the founding leadership, Terry Nordstrom was the first chair or president and, and others um, decided that really their function, they wanted their function to be promoting high standards within the academy. So we have uh, CAPTI, the Commission on Accreditation for Physical Therapist Education or Physical Therapy Education, which really sets the baseline of what is required. And, and ACAPT has decided over time that they want to really set um, a high bar. What, what is our bar for excellence? And so they represent the um, academic physical therapist programs. They set standards. They, they push for excellence. And it was in that light that the leadership um, oversight committee, the committee I chair, was formed um, because the uh, leadership of ACAP believe that leadership is a very foundational and primary character trait or required uh, function of all of the academy, all members of the academy, students, physical therapists, faculty, administration, clinical educators. 
Um, and so it was in that light that, that we were formed. I think that's really helpful to gain some perspective on kind of how ACAP formed from kind of looking at these other health professions, kind of seeing what they were doing. Also, kind of realizing that you had people within it from the SIGs and other and within the organization to help form that. And kind of really the goal is to really advance excellence in academic physical therapy and kind of now realizing that leadership is one of those essential characteristics as you know, today's topic of discussion is, of course, on this Leadership Academy and with per ACAP's website stating that the goal of this academy is are to identify and cultivate the resources to achieve excellence in academic physical therapy, support and position physical therapy programs to adopt to changing higher education environments and to lead to innovation in academic physical therapy, and to develop a leadership and or teaching fellowship program in which this kind of supplements the Educational Leadership Institute or fellowship program or ELI, as we had Jody and Ann on the show a few months back to talk about this. So kind of, you were kind of mentioning this a little bit earlier in kind of your answer, but what are some of the big problems currently with current academic DPT education that really prompted this initiative to start formally? Okay, so I don't know necessarily that there were um, specific problems that I would point to. I mean, clearly we um, have had and, and have a lack of uh, prepared faculty. I don't know how many openings there are right now, but not too long ago, there was over a hundred uh, openings for faculty within academic PT programs. And, and there's also been um, a challenge finding individuals to become directors of programs, so uh, administrators. So Eli has, was really formed to fill the gap in, in administrators um, and to prepare people to fill that role specifically. And so ACAPT really identified that there was another gap that wasn't being filled specifically, and that, that was a leadership training program to, to um, teach everyone else in the academy about leadership. And, and they recognize that there's a strong tie between becoming excellent and leadership. You can't uh, really become excellent if you don't have the leadership to do so. And, and that includes self-leadership, uh, leadership of self. And so their, really, their thought was, okay, we can, we can hopefully create a low-cost, um, efficient, effective, um, program that uh, members of the academy can access uh, to to build leadership skills, and that will lead to excellence, innovation, um, and sustainability. So that that was really the the thinking at the time. That was, I think, back in 2015. Uh, ACAP had that thought. We were formed in December of 2016. That's when we started our work. Gotcha, and. You know, Janet, seeing that the Leadership Academy is made up of various groups, including the Leadership Oversight Committee, uh, the Resource Development Group, Social Media and Online Presence Group, Student Leadership Development Group, and Leadership Summit um, Planning Group, do you think you could break down for us what each of these groups does specifically and how they all kind of work together? Yeah, I, I can try. <laughs> it's a complicated situation, but I'll, I'll do my best. So. Um, so the oversight committee, um, the group that I chair, um, our first task was to form each of these subgroups um, to decide what they were going to do to put out the call to um, get volunteers to, to, to serve on these groups and then to oversee uh, literally their, their work. And so that was our first charge. So we spent the first year or so doing that. Um, 
we also then decided to, to collect information about all the leadership training programs that are out there for people in the academy. So that included all the programs within APTA, like Eli, LAMP, um, others, and then all of the op offerings outside of APTA. There are numerous um, leadership training programs specifically for people in the academy. So, so we have a huge spreadsheet of all those programs, what they entail, um, their length, their content, their cost, all that stuff. And then the next task that we've taken on, which we are currently doing, which I'm really, really excited about, is we are creating a, a leadership curriculum is maybe the best way to say it. And it is a grid. It has three levels. It has uh, level one is leadership of self. Leader, uh, level two is leadership of others. And level three is uh, mentoring people to be leaders. And then on, on the side axis would, would be all the different categories of leadership. I think there are 10 or 11. So um, self-development, communication, managing conflict, uh, management, um, 21st century mindset. I love that one. Uh, technology. And so we've got this huge grid. So 10 by 10 by three. And in each cell of the grid is a set of competencies, start, literally learning objectives, student learning objectives that we believe um, individuals should be able to demonstrate to be competent or to demonstrate competence in each of those areas. And so the reason we decided to build this curriculum is because then all of our leadership development activities will be based on that. So we're doing our first summit uh, pre-ELC in October. So the Wednesday before ELC, we'll have a, a one-day summit. And uh, the topic of that um, summit is mindsets. And so that's a self uh, a level one competency in the self-development box. Uh, so the very first, very first cell on our grid. Um, and as we go forward and we put out um, programs, we will identify which, um, which competencies, which start student learning objectives we're, we're hitting. So... So that's what the LDOC does, and we will continue to supervise, if you will, or oversee the, the subgroups. The, the first subgroup, resource development group, that group um, is there to identify available leadership resources, uh, websites, publications, people, workshops, programs, and develop a repository for that information. Um, we're hopeful that that will be uh, housed on ACAP's website um, so that everyone can access it, but that's what they're doing there. Um, identifying resources and organizing them in some way and, and making them available. The social media and online presence group, um, they are in charge of extending our reach, expanding our reach uh, via social media. So they um, put out information about what we're doing um, and leadership in general. Um, they will also eventually um, help us with uh, developing online tools once we get a good sense of what's out there um, in an online situation, we, we will task them with really developing more tools that, that might be useful for us. They also are supposed to coordinate with the ACAPT uh, communication committee. ACAPT has a communication committee that is really ha has a similar role in social media in terms of um, marketing or promoting ACAPT, um, ACAPT information and events. And recently, the board, our social media group was doing such a good job that they've decided to merge those two groups. So the social media um, subgroup of LDOC is now going to be the ACAP Communication Committee. So 
that that decision was just made. Uh, the Student Leadership Development Group is a group that um, is specifically charged with identifying what do our, our students in academic programs need rela relative to leadership. What are they getting? Um, what do they need? Can we create some kind of standard uh, curricula for leadership that can be integrated into every academic program? We, we've discovered already that there's a huge variation in what academic programs teach related to leadership. And there's really no CAPTU requirement for leadership, which we thought was kind of interesting. Um, so people do all kinds of different things because it's not very prescribed. So there's an opportunity there to become more, um, more intentional, I think, across the board. And then the final group is the summit planning group. And one thing that ACAPT um, told us when they formed us was that we really want you to do a leadership summit. We want you to do an in-person meeting um, in association with ELC um, that is always there that people can count on coming and getting some leadership training. So, so our first summit is this year. And again, as I said, it's on mindsets and um, we're making it affordable uh, and accessible. So it'll be the day before or the day after ELC. So people will already be there uh, and can hopefully um, uh, afford to, to participate and, and get some, get some leadership development uh, as, as a part of ELC, so so that's that's what we that's what we're doing right now. And if you have any follow up questions, I can I can answer those. I really love the um, focus on leadership. I think that that is something that we definitely need to integrate more into PT programs. How often do the committee members meet, and what do the meetings usually consist of? So um, we have been meeting mostly. Um, by webinar or, or telephonically. Um, we meet just about once a month. Um, I'd say maybe every six weeks, six to, six to four to eight weeks, every four to eight weeks by telephone, we have a 90 minute meeting. And um, the last year we've really been focused on, on creating this curriculum. Um, we've got um, the grid is divided up into groups. So we have pairs of the committee working together. Um, and then we, we try to, we're trying to decrease duplication among the areas of the of the curriculum right now. Um, we also sometimes have our subgroup leaders join us. Uh, we talk about what they're doing and solve any problems that they have or have expressed to us. Um, we meet uh, twice a year in person at ELC and at um, CSM, and we have you know six to eight hour meetings at 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 those uh, venues. Um, that we again work on work on our, our issues. Once this curriculum is done, um, I think that the LDOC might meet a little less frequently because our role at that point will be just to oversee the subgroups and to make sure that they're appropriately resourced and and those things. So, and I think I said that the leadership summit meeting was going to be on Wednesday before ELC. It's on Thursday. It's on that Thursday before ELC starts. Well, very good. And I think, you know, it's really interesting to kind of get perspective on what all these committees do within this kind of big project as it seems like they're definitely guys are definitely tackling it from a lot of angles, which I really do appreciate. And, you know, I'm really curious as to what, what has the organization or what have people within the leadership oversight committee learned about leadership in PT academic education as a result of doing this and kind of what do we need to do next to address that? That is a really, really excellent question, Brandon. Um, I've been reflecting on how I want to answer that. Um, you know, I think the biggest issue, and, and we got a little bit of feedback after we did our first webinar last year, last September, we did a, 
webinar in September with a topic. It was just a 90-minute session, and uh, it was really cheap. I think it was $15 or something like that. And, um, you know, we, we did learn that, that people do have a hard time accessing leadership training that is specific for people in the academy. You know, we have Eli, uh, but Eli is a very small program. They, they have 20 people in a cohort. And as I said, it's primarily for people who are interested in um, an administrative role. And, um, and it's a year-long program, so it's a very big commitment. It's also quite pricey, I think reasonably priced, not, not too high, but it is expensive. So, so we're trying to fill a gap by providing um, affordable and accessible programming. So uh, webinar-based programming, um, electronic resources so that people can do it um, without traveling and expending a lot of money. So um, I think that's, that's the biggest issue we've seen so far is there is a need and there isn't necessarily, uh, there aren't necessarily things that are good quality and affordable and accessible. So that's one issue. The other thing is, um, I think the other challenge is convincing members of the academy, students, again, students, faculty, clinical instructors, uh, academic administrators, that they need leadership development. Um, you know, in my book, I'm a leadership junkie. I've been interested in leadership since I was in first grade and tagged to be the um, person who erased the chalkboard after class, you know. So um, I think... Uh, everyone needs leadership training. Um, everyone can benefit from that. And so we, we're having maybe a little bit of a challenge convincing the, the typical faculty member that that's the case, that they should spend their valuable time and money on, on leadership development. Because, um, you know, they're just like clinicians. They want to go learn more about what it is that they, that they love and, and teach and are responsible for in the curriculum. So I think that's going to continue to be a challenge. And we're hopeful that we can make these programs so so good and so accessible that they'll they'll come and then they'll realize how valuable it is. Yeah, for sure, Janet. What would you say are some of the barriers that the Leadership Academy has come up against and experienced since its implementation? Um, not a lot, but I think our challenges are to figure out like what's the best time and um, day of the week to offer some of these programs. Uh, we recorded our first one, um, so we had it live, and then we recorded it, and we made that available for sale. But it, it didn't sell a lot, so I don't know if that is a function of the content or um, what. But I think you know, marketing, promoting, finding the best format and the best time, incentivizing, incent incentives, some kind of incentivization, and and I, and I want to talk about that um, a little bit later when you guys ask me another question. So. Um, other than that, you know, making people aware, promoting it, um, finding a way to make it accessible, um, and making it attractive. I think those are our biggest challenges and we're still in the, the forming stage, I think, um, as a group. So, um, we can pay more attention to those things here in the next year, I hope. So I know Janet, you had just stated that you're kind of still in the forming stage, but you know, with every organization, there has to be some type of vision or goal that you're looking towards. What is the direction that the Leadership Academy will be taking in the future to address the initiatives from ACAPT? Yeah, so one of the things that, that I haven't mentioned that we've been talking about that the LDOC is going to turn its attention to once we get the curriculum done is 
uh, what we're calling a badge program. So um, this is a program where when you um, when you demonstrate certain um, behaviors or you uh, take certain classes or you meet certain competencies, you earn a badge. So you've probably heard of badging in other contexts. What we've been thinking about is creating a badge, a leadership badge program for APTA. And so uh, one of the things we're going to do with this curriculum after we finish it is to shop it to the other leadership development programs in APTA like Eli and LAMP. And number one, get their um, input on, on the curriculum and see if we've missed something, which I'm, I'm pretty sure we probably have. And, and we can um, get input and, and make sure it covers all the bases. But then also ask each of those established programs to identify which of the competencies, which of the student learning, student learning outcomes on the grid they fill by virtue of somebody going through their program. And then um, do that with all of the other leadership development programs. For example, in Texas, we have a, a leadership academy um, through the Texas Physical Therapy Association. And um, we want to get everyone to look at the grid and tell us the student le learning outcomes they achieve. And then we want to create a badge program. So if you, um, if you can demonstrate, you know, X, Y, and Z competencies, you get uh, badge one. Uh, and then A, B, and C competencies earns you badge two. And what you do, it's a digital badge. And so you would put that badge on your signature, for example, uh, in your email or in social media. You, we could have an icon that, that could be, uh, that could appear. And then everyone, associated with the organization with APTA would understand what that badge means and the competencies that you that you've earned or you that you can demonstrate as a result and so that, that's the incentive that I think um, kind of makes sense to us but this is in the early phase we have talked to those other groups like LAMP and Eli um, and the HPA the catalyst we've talked to them about this thing and, and everyone's kind of intrigued about it and so we'll see if we can make it happen but that's that's our that's our thought for the moment about where where we might be going I think that's really interesting and I like the initiative and the adaptability that you guys are trying to do to work on this problem from a lot of different angles, especially coming and mentioning that, you know, the resources, making it incentivizing, accessible, aware. So I know that there's a lot that's been done within this already. And of course, gathering information, doing these things are a good first step. But of course, as we know that data and resources alone do not change everyone's behavior. So what else would you recommend in terms of how should we go about really, how can we really successfully work on changing behaviors of educators and program directors to really provide excellent academic PT across the country and not even just with leadership for that matter, but other issues as well that you see? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, part of the curriculum that we're putting together and, and a, there will be a competency on um, you know, sort of ch changing behavior change and, and um, what are the behaviors of highly, highly effective um, people. And so, um, you know, we'll hopefully get at that through the training programs that we're going to be providing. Um, but it's a really excellent point, Brandon. And, and I couldn't agree more that we can't just talk about this stuff. We've got to see change. And so, you know, much like other things that have occurred. Let, let's take the DPT degree. You know, when the DPT degree started, it was USC and Creighton University deciding on sort of on their own um, within their institutions that our degree deserved to be a doctoral degree, and they got that change through their uh, administration. 
you know, it wasn't APTA saying, okay, you guys, everybody needs to be a DPT. It was, it was grassroots developed. And once that started, everybody looked around and said, well, we've got to be a DPT too, or else we're going to lose students. So um, I think, I think cultural norms can change. And I think that is one way that um, our um, academy has influenced each other uh, just by changing norms. And so I'm hopeful we can change cultural norms uh, among students, among faculty. And I hope students look around and say, oh, you know what? This program is really strong in leadership and that's really important to me and I'm going to go there. Things like that. So it, it would be a good conversation for us to have <laughs> another time, I guess. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast as we greatly appreciate your support to help us advance healthcare education. We are very happy to announce that we have created a new tool to help develop clinicians into better experts. With that being said, we have created the HET Light Tool, which LIGHT stands for Learning Integrated Towards Expertise. And what we've done is we've taken our first year's worth of episodes with experts in the fields of healthcare and education, and we've taken one golden nugget or theory on expertise and presented it to you in a very easily consumable format so that people can take one lesson or nugget per week and map out and plan how to incorporate it into your clinical and educational practices. And by the end of the year, we think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how far you've progressed towards becoming an expert. To find out more, please check it out at pteducator.com slash H-E-T, which is also available in our show notes. Thank you again all for your continued support. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.